Hello and welcome to the Overcoming Life Podcast. Yeah. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me on another episode. This we have been talking about the study of Romans, guys. And uh last episode we were talking about the introduction of uh, Verse 1, verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel. You guys understand, there are, in these five verses, it speaks volumes in a single sentence. We are going to be moving on to, we had just talked about Paul being set apart. But again, um, we are doing a Bible study. Uh, we're going to get right into uh, a little bit more. When I post on TikTok, generally it will be the verses that you need to read or um, some fun facts or some facts that you may or may not have known. And then um, it'll, it'll direct you probably to my to my TikTok, uh, excuse me, not my TikTok, to my anchor where you guys can really hear this. And I think really what I want you guys doing is I want you guys listening to the, the, the podcast because that's where you're going to get the fullness of... Um, the, the whole study. So, the gospel. Did you know that the gospel was promised by the prophets? It was promised beforehand through his prophets. That's what that's what the that's what the scripture says. The modern perception is that the gospel is just a purely New Testament innovation. But in Hebrews chapter four, verse two, which was written by Paul, I believe, says that the is says that the Israelite is the church in the wilderness under Moses, and they also heard the gospel. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Look at it. Let's say, For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they did also. But the word that they heard did not hear and did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. So, Paul says the gospel was concerning his son. Every time the Old Testament prophesied of Jesus Christ, it was an element of the gospel. It was the good news of a savior who would come and save us from the effects of sin. It was also good news of a righteous king who would rise after the kingdoms of men had proven themselves of being incapable of ruling God's creation with true justice and equity by the love of God. The scripture tells us that Messiah was to come of Judah. This is in Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. And more specifically, of the lineage of David, it's in Psalms 89, verse 29. Jesus' Mary, uh, excuse me, Jesus' mother, Mary, who was of the lineage of David, and it was through her that Jesus was, quote unquote, the son of man. And this term is in reference to Adam, the first man who was given the dominion mandate in Genesis 1, verse 26. And then the dominion, the dominion mandate was passed down as a part of his birthright in an unbroken succession through Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, David, and finally, Jesus. That was his earthly heritage, the dominion mandate uh, in the earth as its highest king. Now, in Romans chapter 1, verse 3, we see that Jesus was a descendant of King David, 
according to the flesh. And this is what made him the son of man, for it was his physical lineage that could be traced back to Adam, the man or the first man. But Paul understood that Jesus Christ was more than the son of man. He also was the son of God. So in verse four, we hear who was declared the son of God with power as a result of or by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness. So who declared him to be the son of God, according to the scripture? It, it occurred on the day of his resurrection after he ascended to his father in heaven. So around three o'clock a.m. when Jesus was raised, as the temple gate was open uh, and while it was still dark, Jesus had ascended at the third hour of the day, uh, after speaking with Mary in the garden, you guys remember um, when Mary was in the garden and she saw the, the thought he was a gardener. And so Jesus, right after that, at the third hour of the day, ascended into heaven because he had to fulfill the prophecy of the wave sheaf offering. Now, for those of you guys who don't know, the wave sheaf offering was to be waved, they would have a, a, a sheaf of barley, which is just a batch of barley, and they would wave it up and down in like um, in like this, yeah, up and down motion. And we see this in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 11. Now, the what he fulfilled by going to heaven and to the, court, the tabernacle of heaven um, and the courts of heaven, he was fulfilling... Uh, the point of resurrection. So when he presented himself to the father as the living resurrected son of God, he became at that time the firstborn of all creation and specifically the firstborn of the new creation. Okay. So remember that God is making all things new. He is making all things new in heaven and on earth, he's making all things new. So he was the firstborn of all creation, that is, of the new creation. And so the wave sheaf offering was always done on the eighth day or the first day of the week. And this is the law of the presentation of sons. So when Jesus was presented to the Father on the eighth day, shortly after his resurrection, at the third hour of the day, right after he spoke to uh, Mary in the garden, it was the Father himself who declared him to be the Son because of his resurrection from the dead. We have to understand that it is his resurrection from the dead that uh, really verifies his sonship. His resurrection from the dead is what verifies the fact that he was truly the son of God. And it was also done according to the spirit of holiness because holiness has to do with being set apart for divine service. So when he attained his position, as the son of God, through his resurrection, as we all must do, uh, for he is but the firstborn of all creation, which means that there are some who are going to come after him through resurrection and become sons through resurrection in the same way. His new form of existence separated him from the rest of humanity, just like when we come into um, being born again, the born again experience, we are also separated from the rest of humanity. And um, again, I don't mean to uh, over-spiritualize the resurrection as in the case like 
um, of Romans chapter six, where it talks about just as he was, um, you know, resurrected. Just as he was raised by the glory of the Father, we too must walk in the newness of life. And he was baptized by baptism unto death. Um, I don't want to over-spiritualize the resurrection in that way. The same way that Jesus resurrected is the same way that we will resurrect. Okay? Um, it's, I don't want to over-spiritualize it. There's nothing. You can't over-spiritualize that. He, he had a flesh and he had bones and he was resurrected. And when God created all things in the, in the, in the body all material things he created them good so um his our resurrected bodies will be good but they will be physical bodies they just won't be like the bodies that we have now so verse five through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the ethnos for his name's sake, that is the nations. So the obedience of faith is a compound Greek word that Dr. Bollinger Bollinger renders as faith obedience. This word is of interest because it connects faith and obedience much in the same manner as the book of James says, without faith without works is dead. And that's in James chapter two. Verse 28, in other words, true faith results in obedience, that is compliance or submission to a commander to the law. Later, Paul distinguishes between pure faith and obedience, um, but none should think that he was contradicting James. He wasn't contradicting James. He was merely separating faith obedience into its component parts to show the purpose of each. You have to see that, that faith, yes, faith without works is dead, uh, but the works perfect the faith james goes on to say that guys so um yes we are saved by faith but we are perfected by the work of the spirit of god inside of us because we are created for good works and that's what ephesians tells us guys so there's no it's not just faith alone and it's not just grace alone it's not there's nothing works alone it's not just obedience alone all of these things work together and all these things work together for the good or those who love him and are called according to the purpose of God. So the Jewish idea that the ethnos um, are given the so-called Noahide laws, and these laws are given in Genesis uh, chapter 9, verse 3 through 7. Um, and this, these verses say, in reading verse 3, Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give to you all. As I've given the green plant, only you shall not eat the flesh with its life, that is its blood. Surely I will require your lifeblood from every beast. I will require it and from every man. And that is um, that's the idea that uh, the Noahide law, that is a Noahide law. That is a law that God gave to Noah. And uh, while the rest of the law was reserved only for the physical seed of Abraham. So this is what the Jews believed, that there was two different laws, that the, the non-Jews had this Noahide law. And then the Jews of the flesh um, had a physical, a, phys- a different law. Um, and it's contradicted by the, the, uh, the Apostle Paul and his gospel. There's only one gospel, that is the gospel of the kingdom. And it was given to the seed of Abraham as a revelation in order to equip them, guys. The Jews were supposed to be equipped to administer the principles of justice 
to all the nations or all the ethnos of the world or ethnicities so that all the families of the world might be blessed. But they failed to do that and instead created a barrier and a separation and um, and corrupt judgment. So that's why, um, yeah, that's what they missed. So verse six says, among whom you are also called of Jesus Christ to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. They were called as saints or holy ones set apart for divine service. They are beloved of God as are the ethnos, Israelites or otherwise. The idea that God only loved Excuse me, the idea that God actually loved the ethnos was largely foreign in the Jewish mindset. They didn't believe that God, and they still don't to this day, uh, believe that God actually loves the ethnos. Um, But Paul's apostolic calling was to view creation itself as the object of God's love, showing, as Isaiah did before him, that he was not only the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but also the God of the whole earth, guys. And that is Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5. For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of the whole earth, guys. He's the God not only of the Jews, but also of um, of every of everyone. God created all things as an expression of his character, and God is love, guys. And even as Adam's sin brought uh, the entire creation to the bondage of sin and death, so also has the last Adam redeemed the entire estate. Did you guys know that, that Adam's sin brought all of creation into the bondage of sin and death? But there was another Adam that came, and his name is Jesus, and he redeemed all of creation. So the every effect that Adam had on creation and his sin had on creation, Jesus has purchased that back, okay? And he is restoring, and he is going to redeem that. So the universality of the divine plan forms the backdrop of the entire book of Romans. And there we see the universal e- equality of all men as sinners. Yes, all men are sinners. All men are accountable to God's law. Accountability is modified only by one's level of knowledge. Okay? So as you grow up in knowledge, you're accountable for more. You're not going to be held accountable uh, to a higher degree for something you didn't know. They're not going to brutally torture you for something you didn't know. All men receive the grace of God through faith equally as well. So there's no ethnic group has the advantage of God's indulgence on account of their genealogy. And there's no group of people that has an advantage of God's grace or God's uh, truth. No one does because God gives grace through faith. And that's just believing if anyone who is a, a Gentile or not um, a Jew If anyone hears the word of God and they believed the promise of God through faith, they they have access to 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 the heart of God. They have access to uh, God's grace. So it's important that we understand that because um, there are a lot of people who are still teaching the Jews, the natural Jews today, which are really not um, Jews according to the flesh. But I guess. I will be getting into that at some point in time. I'm going to be teaching about how the the Jews now 
are actually who are over in Israel are actually have actually usurped. They're they're not even they're they're not from the lineage of Judah, and their uh, their people are not. They were converted, and they are actually Gog and Magog, and they're posing to be um, uh, of the of the lineage of Judah, but they're not of they're not at all. So, anyways. <clears throat> The gospel itself had to have a geographical starting point, and it started in Jerusalem. Due to the limitations of men, the divine plan was to save all that was lost in Adam. Okay, so in the end, uh, every injustice will be corrected. Even the injustice of being born in a land that could not hear the gospel of Christ for many centuries. Isn't that just, guys? Say there's this indigenous tribe somewhere that has never heard the gospel, never seen people. That is an injustice that is brought upon by uh, the sin of Adam. All creation is subject to futility. That is, uh, we don't know who God is. We don't know his law. We don't know his way. We don't know his will. All creation, okay? Because if all creation could have access to the revelation of, of who God is, then we wouldn't need anyone to preach the gospel, right? So all injustice will be corrected. And um, God is good. God is just. God is equitable in all of his judgments. And so his judgments, as we discover, are corrective in nature and not merely punitive or for, for punishment. The purpose of divine justice is to bring all the creation into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. When we understand the mind of Paul as illuminated by the Holy Spirit, we can fully appreciate the full panorama of the divine plan as set forth in his epistle to the saints in Rome. It is only when we fail to grasp the universality of the plan and the equitableness of divine justice that we will make excuses for Paul's language and surely say, Surely, Paul, thou art mistaken, or Paul must have meant this instead of what he says in plain language. Let let his language speak, guys. In Romans chapter 1, verse 7, Paul ends his introduction to the epistle, and from here on, he speaks directly to his audience in Rome and begins to lay out the divine plan in an unprecedented way. And so, blessings to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have any questions, please download the Anchor app. Uh, and send me a message via Anchor, and that way I can post your, your questions and your thoughts in the actual uh, podcast. I have yet to have anyone do that, but I would love if somebody would. So thank you so much, and I will see you guys on the next episode. Um, I guess maybe I'll say a prayer too. Father, I thank you so much for every single person who has listened to this episode and who has listened to this podcast. Father, I thank you that you are the Lord of heaven and earth, the creator of all things. I ask that you would open up our ears to understanding, open up our eyes to to see, uh, open up our, our minds to truth. Father, as you open up the disciples' uh, eyes to see and understand, to know the truth, as you said to them, unto you it is given to know the mysteries. Father, we ask that you would reveal the mysteries of the kingdom of God to us so that we might know who you are so that we might know your will that we might be obedient to your will and that we might accept your will and we thank you so much for who you are 
and for what you do and for um, your love for all of creation and the universality of your salvation. In Yeshua's name or Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Blessings to you guys. See you on the next episode.